Okay, members, the sitting is resumed. It is time for questions to the Minister for Infrastructure. And I call Paul Frey. Mr. Speaker, and again, I've just rushed from committee there, so I thank you for your latitude here. Uh, question number one, Minister. Mr. Speaker, with your permission, I propose to answer questions one and three together. Driving instructors were included in the executive's regulations on businesses that closed from the 16th of October until the 20th of November to help stop the spread of COVID-19. Following this executive decision, driving tests also ceased over this period of increased restrictions based on public health and scientific advice. Driving tests resumed on the 21st of November, but ceased again for two weeks from the 27th of November to the 10th of December, inclusive, due to the circuit breaker restrictions announced by the executive. Motorcycle lessons and tests are not affected by these restrictions. The DBA has opened up the booking system exclusively for those customers whose tests were cancelled between the 17th of October and the 20th of November. Testing slots have been released for February and additional booking slots have also been made available in December and January as the DBA increases capacity by recruiting additional examiners. The DBA is working on proposals to reopen the booking service next for the customers impacted by the two-week circuit breaker restrictions and in due course will issue further communications to customers through NI Direct and social media channels. While testing resumes, the DBA will continue to offer driving tests on a Saturday and following consultation with key stakeholders is planning to offer driving tests for heavy goods vehicles on Sundays where it is suitable to do so without compromising the integrity of the test. The DVA will also use overtime to rota off-shift dual-role driving examiners to provide additional capacity and to provide cover for scheduled driving tests where, due to a variety of unforeseen reasons such as sick abstinence or the requirement to self-isolate, driving examiners are unable to attend work. I understand this is a challenging time for new drivers and for the DBA, but I can assure members that officials are working hard to minimise the disruption caused by the impact of COVID-19. Paul Frey, supplementary. Mr Speaker, and I thank the, the Minister for her answer. Uh, the Minister will no doubt be aware that the massive impact that, that this has had, both directly and indirectly, on people's uh, because of the lockdown, and it has massive implications throughout the wider society for other reasons too. But on the aspect of driving test appointments, the mobility issue, uh, seeking job applications, the loneliness, the mental health that this brings, has there been, a, has there been an impact assessment completed within the department as to the, uh, the, the impacts of the, the no uh, testing uh, during lockdowns? I thank the member for his question and you know, I understand the huge impact that this is having on the multiple aspects that you have highlighted. Uh, given that it is a public facing service, the DVA and our driving test element of that have been severely impacted as all public facing services have uh, and we are very mindful of that and constantly reviewing the situation to do what we can to maximise capacity. So I can assure the member that we have currently 37 driving examiners and 40 dual role examiners who conduct both vehicle and driving tests. Uh, but to increase the driving test capacity, we are in the process of recruiting an additional 27 temporary and permanent vehicle examiners. 
And so far, 10 temporary examiners have started with DVA, six have completed their training and have been appointed to test centres, and four are currently undertaking training and due to be in place by early January. We're also working at pace to recruit a further five temporary vehicle examiners. And in addition to this, uh, the recruitment of 12 permanent vehicle examiners, a further recruitment process for permanent driving examiners will also be launched in the new year. So we're very mindful of the impact, and I want to assure you that we're doing what we can in line with risk assessments to maximise our capacity. We've also extended the validity of test uh, pass certificates uh, for learner drivers as well. So we are committed to doing what we can to minimise disruption and to restore our services as quickly and safely as possible. Nicole Tom Buchanan. Mr. Speaker, <coughs> Minister, thank you again for your response on this issue. We're open for business again on Friday, the 11th of December. And again, we're going to have students in that day who are booked in to do their driving test. They don't want to cancel it because it's been cancelled on a few different occasions. And the problem is that they haven't had a driving lesson for the last two, three, four weeks prior to this. Will you then uh, engage with your executive colleagues to allow a little flexibility for these students to have a final driving lesson before their test on the last day of lockdown, Thursday the 10th of December? so that these students can have that last uh, lesson done uh, in preparation for the driving test so they don't have to cancel it maybe for the third or fourth time. I thank the member for his question, and he is correct that we will be resuming the driving tests on the 11th of December. Um, but while driving instruction was suspended during the recent period of increased restrictions, it was still possible for learner drivers to practice their driving under supervision from someone from within their household or support bubble. So candidates who are concerned that they will not be ready for their driving test when it is scheduled to take place should contact the DBA. We are open to uh, offering refunds and rebooking tests, but I would hope that during this period of restrictions, our learner drivers were still able to practice safely on the road in line with the regulations. Nicole Patchehan. Um, I thank the Minister for her answers. Um, many people are waiting on driving tests, Minister, and a lot of whom uh, depend on their car for essential travel. Uh, and I'm wondering, could the Minister tell us how many tests per week the DVA anticipate when services resume? And how long will it take for the backlog to be cleared? I thank the member for his question. Um, this isn't a normal year, so therefore assessing the current demand for driving tests is difficult. Um, but in order to book a practical driving test, a learner driver must first pass their theory test. As of the 1st of November, over 21,000 people held a valid theory test pass certificate, and therefore this was the maximum number of people that could have applied for a driving test at that time. However, some of these learners will have already secured um, a slot and had their test between now uh, and the end of, uh, end of February. I understand that learner drivers are hugely frustrated and that they really want to take their test, but it is a close contact service, so we have to undertake risk assessments and have to adapt our services um, accordingly. That's why, in response to your previous question, I wanted to emphasise that we have extended the theory test and um, pass certificate period because we hope that that will go some way towards mitigating the disruption that's being caused to learner drivers. But of course, we're not in in normal circumstances, and we will continue to do all we can to increase capacity so that we can get all of those learner drivers that want their tests a test booked as quickly as possible. Nicole Cara Hunter. 
Mr. Speaker, and I thank the Minister for her answers so far. Minister, I understand the Executive's decision to impose these restrictions uh, has affected the DVA service, and I welcome how quickly the Minister and her department have responded. Can I ask the Minister, with regards to communicating with the public on the matter of COVID-19 and driving tests, and you've touched on this uh, roughly already, but will social media and NI Direct be updated with guidance, as this is the usual route for most people uh, to receive timely access to information? I thank the member for her question and it is really important as we respond and we recover from COVID that we communicate consistently, clearly and constantly with the public, not just about the restrictions themselves but how services are affected as a consequence. As I said, DVA is dealing with a significant workload and officials are working hard to keep drivers safely on the road and to adapt and support new learner drivers at this challenging time. I can assure the member that the DVA will continue to communicate the opening of general bookings to the Northern Ireland Approved Instructors Council and will write to all driving instructors advising them when the booking service will be available. And as the member has rightly pointed out, uh, social media is a very important tool in communicating with the public and so we will continue to provide updated information on NI Direct and ensure that any changes are communicated through all social media channels. I call Paula Bradshaw. Speaker, and thank you, Minister, for your answer so far. Um, my question is in relation to the system that you had in place for a few months, which would have given priority to those essential workers that Mr Sheehan outlined there. I have a, a particular con constituent who was delayed in getting her theory, and then when they opened, then it's been delayed, and now they're not. And she's having to use a, a low-wage job, use her money to get taxis to get her COVID testing. So there is a discrimination against those essential workers, and, and I, think it's, I think you really need to review the whole system. I thank the member for her question, and, and she does make uh, an important point. Uh, following the reopening of the online booking service from uh, the 5th of October, we moved to a full opening uh, of the system uh, because we were very mindful that some people had their tests cancelled way back, so we're trying to manage all of that um, in as fairly a way as possible. There was a process prior to that for critical workers based on a priority rating system, and that looked at a combination of the applicant's role and whether a driving licence was needed for their job before uh, commuting to work. We do keep that situation under review, um, but the approach that we have taken since is to open up the system to all applicants, but if the member has significant concerns, I'm happy for her to write to me directly on them. Nicole Roy Beggs. Um, and can I put on record my thanks to the Minister and DVA for facilitating a number of key workers in terms of their driving tests to enable them to carry out their, their duties, but uh, I'm aware of ongoing problems among particular constituent who applied in July was given a date that has subsequently been cancelled because of COVID uh, and is still awaiting. So my question to the Minister is, um, she mentioned there's still recruitment going on. It's disappointing it's taken so long to rec recruit. Would she agree that the recruitment process is excessive and taking too long? And given these exceptional circumstances, uh, it does need to be looked at to speed the process up. So that key workers, young people, indeed members of the public who need a driving test can be facilitated by trained instructors on in a timely basis. I thank the member for his question and his kind words uh, about the, the hard work of the officials. Um, as I said, we are recruiting 27 um, permanent and temporary examiners. We are working off uh, a merit list for a number of those, um, but we also have to make sure that all of those that are being recruited are fully trained. Um, these uh, driving examiners are taking um, 
pupils out. We need to make sure that they are absolutely trained. This is a road safety issue. So it's, of course, trying to do things as efficiently as and effectively as we can, but it's always balancing that with the statutory responsibility that I have of ensuring road safety. Uh, Questions 7 and 11 have been withdrawn, and I call Harry Harvey. Thank you very much, uh, Mr. Speaker. That will be question 2, Minister. Thank you. I thank the member for his question. The A7 Dorns Rock to Roallan scheme is at an advanced stage of development, and the design work and an environmental assessment for the scheme are substantially complete. The next stage of development work would include taking the proposal through the statutory procedures, which would include a vesting order to secure the land required for the school from adjacent landowners. The A7 from Downpatrick to Belfast forms part of the strategic road network and is classed as a link corridor. My department is currently developing proposals for a new regional strategic transport network transport plan, which will set out the priorities for future development of the main road and rail networks across Northern Ireland. I will consider proposals for improvements to the A7 as part of this process. This plan is still in development, but once I have identified my preferred options and priorities, a draft document setting these out will be issued for public consultation, giving you an opportunity to support or challenge the proposals. Harry Harvey, supplementary. Thank you, Mr. Speaker. Um, as you are aware, Minister, this short stretch of A7 between Dorans Rock and St. Field is a main route linking down Patrick to Belfast. This is the final link on this road noted to be upgraded. With this part of the district having seen little investment in infrastructure lately, and no work has been carried out on this scheme for some 10 years now, I'm just seeking assurance from the Minister to look into this and to see that it is completed soon. And I've got that. And Minister, for my supplementary question, just when we're talking about roads and transport issues, have you given consideration to MOT testing for motor vehicles biannually when they reach four years old? As a vote opposed to being done on an annual basis, as is at present. Thank you. I thank the member for his questions. Um, I, I've, I think I've kind of addressed the first part of your question and said that I will be considering that um, as part of the wider strategic road network, and I'm happy to hear your views on it at that stage. In relation to the biennial testing, this is something that I was keen to look at. I think events have somewhat overtaken us in terms of COVID and staffing resource, but I would be keen to move to a call for evidence. Um, on this issue um, at the earliest opportunity. I think it is an important area that we examine thoroughly in terms of deciding on next steps. Call Liz Kimmins. Can call and thank the Minister for our answers so far. Uh, another road, and the Minister will not be surprised um, to hear this, that, that is des in desperate need of upgrading is the A1. And unfortunately, in the last number of weeks, we have seen yet another fatality. And I am sure other members saw the segment on the news last week from, from those who have been campaigning long and hard for the, the improved safety of this road. Can the Minister therefore state, um, if, if there is a positive decision given next month to the Inspector's report, when we are likely to see construction beginning on this road? Thank you. I thank the member for her question. Um, I am very aware of how important the A1 improvements are for the many people who have expressed their support for the scheme, but especially for those who have lost loved ones. And I did see the segment on the news. Uh, my thoughts are with the family who lost their loved one in the recent collision as well uh, on the A1 earlier this month. Um, as a member will know, the inspector issued his report to the department on the 19th of October. Officials will require some time to fully consider the inspector's proposals and recommendations. And when I have 
have been appraised on the findings, I will give them careful consideration before deciding on the next steps for this scheme. But I want to assure the member that I very much recognise the importance of these improvements. I hope to be in a position to publish the Department's response to the Inspector's report towards the end of January 2021. And as the member has indicated, if upon the completion of all of those statutory processes it is a positive decision, I would be committed to moving it forward apace. Speaker, and I welcome the uh, assurances from the Minister about the A7, not least that it will enable people from Belfast to enjoy the delights of Downpatrick much easier. Um, another road that is due an upgrade is the uh, Ring Road bypass round uh, Balna Hinch. Could we get an update on that bypass and where we are with that project? I thank the member for his question. In June, I announced my commitment to fund the continued development of a number of strategic road improvement schemes, including the Balna Hinch Bypass, as part of my plan to aid economic recovery and community transformation while addressing regional imbalance. The Balna Hinch Bypass Scheme is now at an advanced stage of development, and preparatory work on contract documentation has been completed. I have asked officials to complete the work necessary to allow me to make the direction order. And this includes a review of the environmental reports, which is nearing completion. And subject to the outcome of the review, I hope to be in a position to make the direction order for the scheme in the new year. I want to reaffirm my commitment to moving ahead with the Balna Hinch bypass, uh, while also promoting the opportunities for active travel uh, in the town as well. And I will be, and I am currently considering the next steps. I call Karen Mullen. Can call question number four, Minister. Thank the member for her question. A feasibility study for Derry, completed earlier this year by my department, has recommended significant flood alleviation works to both banks of the River Foyle in the city centre to provide protection from coastal and river flooding. The associated business case has recently been approved, and it is anticipated that the Dairy Flood Alleviation Scheme, that is estimated to cost £17.3 million, will progress to the detailed design stage within the next few months. In conjunction with this work and as part of the Living with Water programme, I have also recently allocated £130,000 from this year's budget to start the development of a Living with Water feasibility study in Derry. I thank the Minister for her response and that update. It's very much welcomed. Uh, Minister, just ask that areas such as Foyle Road will be included in that. I've wrote to you on this and you responded yesterday, so I have, uh, will arrange a meeting locally with your office. But just want to get insurances that your department will um, effectively deal with the problem following our engagement, given that your department has had to respond nine times in the last two years in the Foyle Road area. Thank you, Minister. Thank the member for her question, uh, and she has corresponded on the matter with me. Um, and uh, I have I've said that my officials are to meet with you on site so that we can see what we can do to address the issue and also to support uh, the local community who may be affected by any flooding in the area. Mark Durgan. I thank the minister for her answers, and I thank the minister for her actions. She is clearly delivering on uh, promises and progress in the, the North West. I was delighted to welcome her to Derry last week. Could the Minister provide uh, an update on the LWP in Derry, please? I thank the member for his question and for his kind words. And I was pleased to visit um, Derry to mark the completion of works on the uh, North West Transport Hub. 
Uh, the member will be aware that Living with Water in Belfast, an integrated plan for drainage and wastewater management in Greater Belfast, was published for consultation on the 11th uh, of November. This draft plan indicates that approximately $1.4 billion of investment is needed over the next 12 years to upgrade the drainage and wastewater infrastructure in the Greater Belfast area to protect against flooding, enhance the water environment and facilitate growth. The focus of the programme is on developing integrated catchment-based solutions to manage rainwater on the surface and, where possible, avoid hard-engineered drainage solutions which involve long-term operating and maintenance costs. It is my intention to bring the final plan to the Executive for approval in the spring of 2021. And following the publication of the final Belfast plan, I intend to publish guidance on the development of integrated drainage investment plans across the rest of the North. As I said, I have already allocated £130,000 from this year's budget to start the development of a Living with Water feasibility study in Derry. And this study will initially focus on working with the designers of the A2 Buncrana Road Strategic Improvement Scheme to bring forward integrated drainage solutions locally. And the study will examine opportunities to use blue-green spaces, such as the Linear Park in Gallia to uh, naturally reduce surface uh, water flows, to improve water quality in the rivers and reduce flood risk within the surrounding area. Rosemary Barton. Or, Minister, following the recent uh, peat bog slide at Main Bog, where a large quantity of peat bogland has been displaced into the Mornbeg River, would you accept that such bog slippage has endangered a pristine salmon river, releases captured carbon, reduces ponding, and so further increases the risk of flooding downstream? How, do your, how does your department um, limit the chance of this occurring in Northern Ireland? I thank the member for her question, and she raises a very important issue. That was a very serious um, incident. My officials um, responded uh, when, the, when they became aware of the incident, and I know that the Dairy Minister uh, was on site with the Southern counterpart as well. Uh, what this incident demonstrated is the need for joined up working right across uh, the board. Uh, I believe that planning can play a role in a number of these situations, but also, as I was just referring to, blue green infrastructure and nat natural catchments. You know, I think there's a real opportunity to be more creative in how we're trying to deal with these difficulties. Call Gary Middleton. Question number five, Mr Speaker. I thank the member for his question. Um, I take my responsibility very seriously to promote road safety. So this has three strands, education, enforcement and engineering. And we work with others, including education, PSNI, Fire and Rescue Service and the Ambulance Service, and work to develop the new safety, uh, road safety strategy is ongoing. I, I want to do what I can to tackle drink driving. And on the 9th of November, I removed the so-called statutory option from legislation, making it harder for some drink drivers to evade justice. I will be taking draft legislation to the Assembly earlier in the new year uh, to increase the fine and penalty points for using a handheld mobile phone while driving and close the gaps in a law that predates modern smartphone technology. I have also announced the Road Safety Grant Scheme for 2021, where a number of projects focusing on road safety and active travel will be rolled out across local communities in the coming weeks. I was also delighted to allocate £2 million in funding to introduce part-time 20 miles per hour speed limits at 100 schools by the end of this financial year, and I will introduce more as funding permits. 
Uh, my department also has a rolling programme of educational activities, including the road safety public information campaigns. And in recent times, these measures include promoting the benefits of walking and cycling to do so in a safe way, taking account of COVID. My department will continue its engineering efforts, including undertaking general improvements to the network, providing facilities for users that are more vulnerable, and measures aimed at regulating traffic, seeking to maintain the road network to ensure that it continues to be safe for us all. Thank you, Mr. Speaker, and can I thank the Minister for her response and the work that her department has done. Uh, the most recent figures show that 54 uh, people have been killed on the roads this year. That's uh, up from the, for the same period from 2018 and 2019, despite the fact that we've had a lockdown and less uh, road users on the road. So that's very concerning. Uh, as we approach uh, the, uh, a dangerous time of the year in terms of the roads and the darker nights, uh, will the Minister ensure us that her department will do everything to continue to promote that message, but also to work with organisations such as Life After who support those bereaved through road collisions? Thank you, Mr Speaker. I thank the member um, for his question and I can assure him of my commitment and the commitment of all of my officials to doing all that we can to improve road safety. He's right to highlight that we are coming to a period of much darker nights uh, and where we exhibit or experience some of the challenges uh, on the roads. Um, I am committed to working with the PSNI, uh, with the fire service, with a range of partners, particularly community groups, uh, because they have a really important role to play in taking the road safety message to the heart of communities. And I am aware of the Group Life After, and I have already agreed um, to be meeting with them. And just to um, follow on from that, um, unfortunately, I have lost um, two extremely close family members um, on the roads, uh, both um, at the start of, of December. So I'm well aware of the impact that, that it can have on, on families when, when you lose someone in such a cruel way. Um, but I know that the Minister will be aware of the new McDonald's restaurant that's opened on the McKinstry Road um, in the Colin area of West Belfast. And um, we did meet with a team of her officials the other week. It was, it was a good site visit that we'd done. Um, but again, it's just my same concerns that I'm genuinely living with a fear um, that, that kids, young pe people of all ages, crossing that, those four lanes that someone's going to be killed or really seriously injured. So I'm just wondering if the Minister has any update on the progress of the timeline for pedestrian safety measures. Thank you. I thank the member for her question and I want to offer my sincere condolences um, on the loss of her family members. I am aware of this issue and the member has written to me on it uh, along with other colleagues and there was a site meeting with officials and um, signs have been erected but we need to be doing so much more and I've asked my officials to be very proactively working with McDonald's so that we can get a more sustainable solution there in terms of road safety. John Blair. Speaker, I'd like to thank the Minister for the answers uh, uh, on the issue of road safety and the, and the detail given. Can I ask, um, whilst welcoming the, the information of further rollout of 20 mile per hour limits outside schools, if the Department would pay particular examples, ex uh, particular um, attention to areas already raised with them separately, such as main integrated primary school in Randallstown, which I raised myself. I thank the member um, for his question. And, um, I, I want to be doing much more in this area. Um, logistically, it's challenging to roll it out to 100 schools within this financial year, but that's something that I am committed to doing. I'm also committed to seeing it rolled out further across many more of our schools. We obviously have to use a matrix and criteria to be able to do that fairly, but I want to assure the member that I want to see 20 miles per hour outside many, many more schools in coming years, uh, and I look forward to continuing to work with him as he advocates 
for that on his constituents' behalf. I call Colin McGrath. Text, Mr. Speaker. The commitments made by parties in New Decade New Approach will be transformational, and I am committed to doing all that I can to deliver on our shared promise to the people of the North. My department is progressing executive flagship projects on the A5 and A6, along with other key infrastructure projects, including the A1 Junction Safety Programme, the iconic Narrowater Bridge and York Street Interchange. Work is also progressing to develop the design of the Newry Southern Relief Road and other statutory requirements in advance of public consultation. New Decade, New Approach also recognises that significant investment is required in our sewers, pumping stations and upgrades to our wastewater treatment works. Progressing action on this in November, my department launched a public consultation on living with water in Belfast, the strategic drainage infrastructure plan for Belfast. Collaboration across our islands is key to ensuring delivery of the commitments in NDNA, as the agreement also contains pledges from both the Irish and British governments. I have met and had useful discussions with Irish Transport Minister, uh, Minister Ryan, to discuss how we can work in partnership to progress these shared commitments to improve the lives of all of our citizens who share this island. The North-South infrastructure projects contained in New Decade New Approach were discussed at the October NSMC Transport Sectoral, and at that meeting I provided my counterparts with an update on my commitments and priorities, including enhancing the rail network to create a spine of connectivity on the island, the A5 project and Narrowater Bridge. And I look forward to continuing to work closely with Minister Ryan and members of the uh, British Government to realise those commitments. With seconds left, I call Colin McGrath. Thank you very much, Mr. Speaker. The um, Minister has made serious progress in delivering on the commitments of NDNA, and in particular, she has uh, clearly set the standard for all island partnership working and progressing delivery. And with that in mind, could I ask the Minister, will her work towards an infrastructure commission include a focused all island element? Um, short answer to the member's question is yes. We only need to look at the climate emergency to realise that the issues facing our citizens are not restricted to boundaries or borders. Um, so I am committed to working with all partners across this island and across these islands as we tackle the challenges facing all of our citizens. And I believe that an infrastructure commission would play a critical role in, in delivering that. Uh, that, that ends the period for a list of questions. We move on to topical questions, and I call Steve Aiken. Indeed, Mr. Principal Speaker, and I would just like to the Minister, as you would be aware this morning that the Finance Minister announced the re-establishment of the Procurement Board, uh, would the Minister care to, point, uh, to set out how she thinks that is going to affect our department and how accountability and responsibility will be run with it within this new Procurement Board? Uh, I thank the member for his question. Um, I welcome the Finance Minister's proposals to reconstitute the Procurement Board. Um, the new Procurement Board, announced by Minister Murphy today, will, I believe, provide impetus to the development of public procurement policy to ensure it delivers maximum social, economic and environmental impacts. The executive spends significant sums of public money annually on procurement, so it is only right that procurement policy is designed and developed by those that manage and deliver government contracts and that policies have executive approval. I look forward to engaging with the Finance Minister to agree the rules and responsibilities for the new Procurement Board and on how any work will be referred to the Executive. It is vital, as a member points out, that Ministers have oversight given our accountability. 
Thank you very much, Dean. Thank the Minister very much for our comments so far. Uh, as you would be aware, that we haven't yet seen the terms of reference for the Procurement Board, and the, is no longer, there has not been an establishment yet of a fiscal council. Uh, bearing in mind on that, those two issues, does the Minister have any concerns bearing in mind that her department will be one of the ones that will be most closely monitored indeed by this new procurement board? I thank the member for his question. And the member will be aware that I and my party um, are supportive of a fiscal council. Uh, we believe that it is an important tool uh, in terms of planning and for the future management of our finances because we need to be more strategic. Uh, in terms of our investment. Um, I believe that this is important work and that we all should be involved. And I look forward to having input to the terms of reference. I believe that there is a real need for us to be much uh, better when it comes to the strategic long-term uh, approach to and delivery of our services and our projects right across all government departments. Uh, and it was with that in mind that I'd set up the Ministerial Advisory Panel on an Infrastructure Commission, because I think that that has a key role to play in ensuring that we are strategic in our approach, that we are strategic uh, in the delivery of our projects uh, to the maximum effect. I call Robbie Butler. Thank you, Mr Speaker. Um, as the Minister will be aware, this Thursday, 3rd of December, is the International Day for Disabled People. Um, the Minister will also be aware that Parliament buildings will be lit up purple uh, to commemorate this day. Uh, will the Minister join with me in celebrating this day and reaffirming the Executive's commitment to ensuring full equality for disabled people in Northern Ireland? I thank the member for his question, and he has been a long-standing champion uh, for equality and for the rights of um, disabled people, and I share his commitment uh, to doing what I can. I am fully supportive of Parliament buildings being lit up uh, to mark the International Day of Disabled People, but as he says, we need to go much further than just lighting up buildings, and I want to assure him that I am committed to doing what I can in my department. Um, in my department, we are working to ensure that DFI services are accessible and inclusive. Um, um, for instance, over 95% of Ulster bus vehicles are wheelchair accessible, but we need to be 100%, and that's why all bus and coach purchases going forward will be wheelchair accessible. My department and Translink also work really closely with the Inclusive Mobility and Transport Advisory Committee, and it's really important that disabled people are involved in the shaping of services and the design of services from the very uh, beginning. So I want to assure him that I am committed to this cause and will continue to do what I can as the Minister for Infrastructure. Robbie Butler, thank, thank you, Speaker. Thank the Minister for, for her answer. Um, will the Minister also provide assurance that in her vision to deliver sustainable and green uh, transport strategies that she will include the disabled in uh, central to every consultation and inclusive in the, the strategies that are developed? The member makes a very important point. Um, we bandy around the term co-production, um, but what it really should be is that we're working with our citizens uh, to shape services and to make sure that we have a society where everyone feels involved and can equally access. That's why when I was setting up the Ministerial Advisory Panel on the Infrastructure Commission, within the terms of reference, I specifically referenced the need for our infrastructure, yes, to be sustainable, but also to be uh, inclusive. And I'm continuing to engage with my executive colleagues uh, in the hope that we can take forward the recommendations of that panel and have a sustainable and inclusive infrastructure right across our society. I call William Urban. Mr Speaker, can I ask the Minister what plans she has to increase resources for maintenance in B-class and minor roads in the Newry and Armagh constituency? I thank the member for his question and he is an extremely 
active advocate for his constituency. Um, the member will know that I make the point to him uh, on a number of occasions about Yes, they need to be transformative, but also to get the basics right. Uh, I maintained the um, budget for road maintenance this year, also um, established the Rural Roads Fund uh, as well, which is £10 million in that. So I am committed. I've also said it's very important that as an executive, individually and collectively, we do what we can to tackle regional imbalance. Uh, so I am committed to doing more, of course. Um, what I would like to do is constrain somewhat by the financial envelope within which I have to operate, but I will continue to make the case at the executive to ensure that we can get the funding required to invest in our infrastructure, particularly in our rural areas. I thank the Minister for her response, but I am sure the Minister will accept uh, some of these minor roads have got into a very bad state of repair, uh, with large potholes. Uh, one lady in my office this morning wrecked her wheel on a pothole just yesterday afternoon, and she had made me aware that the police car hit the same pothole yesterday afternoon also. I'm aware of one pothole last year where there were claims of over £7,000 on one pothole. So I think it's would the Minister accept that more resources are required to deal with this situation? I thank the member for his supplementary question. I do agree that we need to have um, more finances and that we need to be improving our road. I think it was the Barton report that identified independently that I think it's £140 million is required annually to ensure that our roads are maintained to a satisfactory uh, standard. The member will be aware of what took place when Danny Kennedy uh, was a Minister for uh, Regional Development at the time, and the Department has struggled to recover from that. But I want to assure him that I will continue to make the case for greater investment uh, in our infrastructure because it is key to our communities, but it's also key to our economic growth. Thank you, uh, Mr Speaker. Um, the Minister talked uh, at length and really uh, passionately about the need to use the COVID crisis to deliver a step change in more active travel and in better use of public transport, particularly in, in, our, in, in the city we both represent. Could she give us an update on the delivery of um, glider phase two, specifically in relation to South Belfast? I thank the member for his question. Mr Speaker, all politics is local. DFI teams, along with consultants Atkins, are continuing to actively work remotely on the development of this project, which is also a Belfast Region City Deal infrastructure project. A feasibility and options appraisal is currently being developed, together with an associated interim outline business case. I hope to be in a position to consider an emerging preferred option later this year. COVID-19 restrictions may, however, have a bearing on this timeline. An interim outline business case for the BRT2 was forwarded to the Belfast Region City Deal Executive Board on the 12th of August 2020. And my understanding is that they may be in a position soon to indicate which projects have been successful and how much funding has been allocated. Matthew O'Toole, supplementary. Thank you, Speaker, and thanks to the Minister for her answer. Um, uh, it would be really helpful if the Minister is able to meet with myself and people who are interested in the possibility of either extending the glider in phase two to carry off a part of the constituency which has not always been as well connected and I am afraid as well funded as it should have been historically. Would she meet with myself to talk about the potential of extending the glider to phase two and broader possible public transport development in that part of the world? 
I thank the member for his question. And there is obviously a great enthusiasm for the delivery of this project, and there is huge interest in the routes that the glider will take, both in North and South Belfast. Um, I want to assure the member that I will be consulting on routes uh, for the Phase 2 of the glider project, and I am, of course, more than happy to meet with him to discuss the matter. I call John Blair. Thank you, Mr. Speaker. Mr. Speaker, when the Planning Act came in in 2015, DFI were required by law to conduct a review of that Act within three years. The, this was delayed, and the absence of a functioning assembly was one of the reasons for that delay. Could the Minister provide an update and timescales on the review uh, of this Act? I thank the member for his question, uh, and he is right. There is a requirement to review the Act. I have initiated that. My officials have gone uh, to the committee, um, and I would hope to be in a position later this year to be able to provide an update to committee members, but also to the House. John Blair, supplementary. Keen to know, Mr. Speaker, can the Minister give us uh, information on the sectors or groups or organisations that she has consulted with in relation to this review? Yes, um, as part of this review, my officials have been engaging with key stakeholders. I recently met with NILGA, uh, and this was one of the issues that uh, they wanted to discuss with me. And I reassured them, given the critical role that councils play in our planning service uh, and the delivery of a much more improved planning ser service, that they will be central uh, to this review and will be widely consulted. Um, so uh, we'll be engaging with stakeholders right across the board in terms of the review itself, but also subsequently as we work to identify what needs to change to improve our planning service, both from a legislative perspective and obviously a non-legislative perspective as well. I call Jerry Carl. I just to give a breakdown of the 500 extra bus services that were announced several months ago um, in relation to dealing with COVID and how they relate to my own constituency in West Belfast, including any extra buses. I thank the member for his question. He is right to ensure the safety of passengers and staff. TransLink have provided 500 additional buses. I don't have the specific breakdown of the information that he is seeking at hand, but more than happy to write to him to provide that information. Jerry Carl, supplementary. Thank the Minister for reply. I think it's important just for her um, benefit to emphasise that the glider service in particular in my constituency is regularly full to the brim of people trying to get home from school or work. And I would question whether in these circumstances it actually is possible to socially distance in a scenario, a scenario at all. Uh, will the Minister commit to uh, ensuring extra buses will be placed on routes in my constituency, including buses that does have more, uh, do have more space and capacity than the glider, as a way to avoid a situation where students, workers and everybody potentially force into hazardous situations? I thank the member for his question and I am aware of occasions when you know, there has been a substantial number of passengers on glider service, making it difficult to, uh, to be socially distanced. Um, I, my understanding is that TransLink have been providing additional services um, along routes uh, where that is occurring. I think the challenge is that our young people in particular prefer the use of the glider and the access to the internet rather than the, the more standard bus. So it is something that we are working on. We are also, in terms of TransLink, engaging with schools uh, as well, just to reinforce the message uh, of the public safety. Safety, uh, message, but also around face coverings as well. So there are a number of measures that TransLink is taking to try to um, address this issue. But in respect of the, the routes that you are speaking about, I am happy to provide that specific information to you also. I call Carol Mullen. Uh, a minister sticking with all politics is local. I wrote to you on this as well. Could you give an update on the plans for resident parking scheme and traffic management in the Bogside and Bishop Street area in Derry? 
Um, I, I thank the, the member for her question. One of the joys of being the Infrastructure Minister is you get a, a whirlwind tour of all of the constituencies and the really important issues that are facing um, communities. Um, on the issue of the residence parking scheme, the member will be aware that the officials are currently reviewing the analysis of the scheme that was carried out in Rugby Road. I haven't been presented with the findings of that yet, but I'm very clear that when we have those findings, we need to be learning lessons. And I'm also mindful that in your constituency and in other constituencies across Northern Ireland, this is an issue of importance to communities, and it's an issue that elected representatives would like to see delivered. So committed to continuing to work, and we'll publish uh, the findings of the uh, review uh, when I receive them. Thank you, Minister, and uh, thank you for that response and the work that's ongoing for residents. It's been nearly 10 years and many consultations, as you know. So uh, we would, I suppose, like to, like to see an end to the consultation. And Sohan Puttenplis, if you could expedite that work, please. And just to reassure the member, um, the work that my officials are undertaking is not further consultation. They're analysing um, the successes and the difficulties with the scheme that was um, devised and implemented in Belfast so that we can adapt that learning going forward to make sure that new schemes that are rolled out are informed by the learning that has gone before to make sure that those schemes are as effective as possible for communities. And the time is up. Members, please take your ease.